This is a wee bit of everything. The podcast that explores all things sport and teaching. Hello there and welcome to the A Wee Bit of Everything podcast with your hosts Lewis and Clark. Thanks for coming back to tune in to this week's episode. We really are amazed by all the support we have received from everyone so far. Our partner of the podcast is Premiership Experience who have played a big role in helping us develop. Premiership Experience offer fantastic sports tours within the UK and abroad so be sure to check them out on Twitter at Prem Experience. This is a professional learning platform where we get ideas and insights from like-minded professionals. Our vision is to inspire, to teach and to entertain. So let's get started with this week's episode of A Wee Bit of Everything. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Wee Bit of Everything podcast with your hosts Lewis and Clark. This week on the podcast we have Deborah Holt who works at the University of Edinburgh as a researcher in positive mental health promotion slash social and emotional well-being and education. Previously, Deborah was a head teacher at a primary school before moving on to working at the university, as Lewis just mentioned there. She's coming onto the podcast today to talk about her knowledge and experience of promoting health and well-being in our schools. She'll also touch on a bit about uh, promoting health and well-being um, in the primary school and that transition, that important transition to secondary, something that um, a lot of our primary sevens fear. Um, so. I think Lewis will also actually finish off with clear do's and don'ts for all teachers to be aware of when striving to promote positive mental health in the classroom. So without um, any more chat from our side, we'll get Deborah Holt onto the We Bit of Everything podcast for episode 97. Here we go. Hi Deborah, welcome to the We Bit of Everything podcast. Uh, how's, your, how's your day been so far? It's been good, thank you. Yeah, done a bit of work outside. Good. It's been pretty good weather today, so um, good day to be outside. Um, I know I know you're on today to talk talk to us about your you know your knowledge and experience around promoting positive mental health in schools. Um, before we get on to that, could you give us a, a brief a brief background on your career today? Yep. Um, I started as a primary school teacher. Um, uh, not in Scotland. Um, and then I became a head teacher. And I guess when I was a head teacher, I um, became really aware of the importance of promoting the pupils well-being as a whole school um, and spent a lot of time kind of, uh, yeah, in the middle between what we needed in school for the kids' well-being and um, arguing against perhaps the, the powers above that wanted to focus on attainment rather than pupil well-being. Um, so I, I kind of uh, left being a head teacher and moved on to studying mental health and I've done a doctorate in mental health promotion and I work in higher education now um, at university doing research in mental health promotion and teaching teachers how to teach health and well-being. Yes, yeah, so was, was it a big drive then on attainment more than the well-being? Is that, is that what kind of the feeling you were getting in schools? Yeah, I mean, there wasn't in my school because we, everybody there cared really passionately about the children. Um, yeah. But there's pressure on attainment all the time. And I kind of had to convince people that actually, if we looked after the children and promoted their well being, the attainment would get better, not worse. It wasn't time yeah. wasted 
um, in, in any respect, yeah. even to people who are fussy about attainment. <laughs> yeah, it's always the, the health and wellbeing is a sort of umbrella that promotes the literacy and numeracy, doesn't it? It does, yeah. yeah. Um, so, how long were you in your job as a head teacher then? Uh, just about nine years. Okay. Yeah. Down south? Down south, yeah. <laughs> okay. Have you noticed much difference then from working up north in terms of the education system? It was great to move to Scotland and to to move to I mean, curriculum for excellence wasn't was was coming in, but it hadn't started when I moved to Scotland. Um, but it was just great to see the difference, the the sort of embedded with um, promotion of of pupil well being and mm. yeah, so very different. So, Deborah, my question for you then. Uh, so, th thanks for sharing that your kind of your background as to to where you are now and how you kind of got there. But my my question for you is um, to see if you can maybe tell us a wee bit more about the research you do around promoting positive men mental health in primary schools and in particular the transition to secondary. Um, so, if I start with the talking about the transition, I think uh, what we've discovered in our in our research is that the best preparation for for people's sort of social emotional mental health um, so the best preparation um, for transition is if you have health and well-being mental health promotion embedded into everything that you do in the school right from the beginning of primary and embedded into everything in secondary school um, rather than having approaches that are just targeted uh, you know yeah. just just starting it in p6 or p7 mm -hmm. or just just sort of doing something just for s1 um, so it, as, it's as oh, in like a, a whole school culture almost that's right yeah and a whole school culture that's that's building building their their emotional and their social capacity right from the very beginning um so it's like they're called universal approaches right, okay. um so they're prom we're promoting well-being for all the pupils all the time um rather than targeting perhaps just children that we think might be at risk of having a tricky time you know finding it very difficult um, there is a place for those sort of targeted initiatives, um, but they shouldn't be the only thing that we do mm -hmm. to prepare children uh, for, for transition and to support their mental health. Um, there's, I think it's easier to do that preparation and to have a whole school approach in primary school than it is in secondary school, and that's certainly what we're finding because the, the structure of primary schools obviously is very different. Um, so it's 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 about working collaboratively you know as part of a whole school approach in, in primary but also working collaboratively collaboratively with everyone everyone in the secondary school um so that um that the the risks are identified but there's a there's a consistency between the messages and the promotion approaches in primary into secondary school mm -hmm. yeah, sometimes the primary and secondary don't really um maybe do the same sort of things um, across the whole their, their whole school life, and maybe having that kind of you know consistency might should help as well. Yeah, I mean consistency doesn't mean you have to do the same things because obviously yeah. the children will be different ages. Yeah. But it's about it's about having the same the same sort of underpinning stuff, um, yeah. which which I can talk a bit more about. Yeah. But another key element of of um, of 
working to promote the well-being at transition is to work with the parents because sometimes it's the parents who are anxious sometimes it's the parents who've got who've got you know it's the, the youngest child going off to secondary school or their oldest child and it's new and and scary for them so I think if we just promote the well-being of the pupils we're we're missing the external factors because because health and well-being is it's, it's holistic it's it, it's happening everywhere we've got the children for a certain amount of time but their well-being their mental health particularly is affected by everything in their life and their family and the you know the community around them so working yeah just not treating the child as an isolated unit but working with the family um, can make a real difference as well so think, is that quite a common thing then for parents to feel like I've never really thought about it that way like when they're going that, that transition obviously it's a big point in the, the child's life and um, parents would obviously get anxious I think that can trickle down into the, the child and yeah the, the parents can get anxious um, or they're bringing their own stuff they had a dreadful time at secondary school and they're yeah. frightened that their child is going to have that dreadful time yeah. so and we can't make any assumptions about what the parents are worried about so the best thing to do is just to talk to, mm -hmm. to sort of build up channels of communication with the parents and maybe even kind of listen to some of the things that that and it's again it's easier to do in primary school with a mm -hmm. smaller number of parents and you know them by the time you get to p6 p7 mm -hmm. um, so deborah have you seen any other kind of successful strategies to promote the positive mental health in, in schools like over and above like parental engagement is there any other key you know principles and strategies that we should be mindful of yes if you if if we're talking generally about promoting the mental health of the pupils i would say there's there's a few key things to think about it's about knowing the children really well get you know every every teacher knowing the children really well um, building positive relationships with that child and using your knowledge about that child to to inform how you promote the mental health yep. um, so helping the children to build relationships with each other you know getting the sort of um, the friendships and giving them the skills to deal with disagreements and that kind of thing so or, or through that you're building a, a really positive ethos in the classroom it's a safe place where children uh, can you know where they feel they, they can trust that, that they can say something and they won't be laughed at or where they feel safe to have a go and have a try and, and not worry about making a mistake. So it's, it's building that kind of environment um, and modelling it all the time as a teacher. So you know, if you want the children to, to um, you know, if the children are worried about getting something wrong, then as the teacher model it, oh, I got that wrong. Oh, no, what do I do now? It, mm -hmm. it's, it's the teacher as the role model in it all mm -hmm. as well, because the children learn from that more than from what we say. Um, so you, you've got your relationships, you've got your ethos, and then you might need to do some targeted kind of capacity building, might be developing their social skills or, or their emotional literacy. Um, you know, it, this is why you need to get to know the children really well. Mm -hmm. and why mental health promotion in one school will look completely different to mental health promotion in another school and even from one class to the next because it has to be guided by what you know where the children are um yeah, yeah it, it, in my head i'm thinking that the guidance department are the the key kind of stakeholders in driving forward mental health in schools are they they end up dealing with pupils with or who are at risk so yeah, they, i think working with them would be like a big of that as well 
Absolutely. But I think I think it's going back to that point that it, it is every teacher's responsibility. Mm -hmm. So every teacher needs needs to to build those relationships to make their classrooms feel like a safe space. Yeah. The the guidance teacher will be the 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 consistent point in a child's um, time in secondary school, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But um, I sometimes feel that if you've got to the point of the child needing the additional support and the, and the guidance teacher, we haven't got our promotion right within the classroom. So it, it, that's kind of like the next level of support almost. Or for, for yeah. Yeah, what, I understand what you mean. Yeah. What, is it, what do you think they mean? Obviously in primary school, I'm sure you agree, it's like they have got that same teacher. They can like really get those classroom routines and stuff like that down to an absolute T because they're with them for the whole year. And it's obviously the same like consistent um certain environment all the time um, but what can I, I guess that's where the challenge is when you go up to high school isn't it because you've got so many different members of staff teachers doing things different mm. ways um, yeah one of the things to do in primary school um is to get children used to change so mm. in our school we had lots of job share teachers so every child experienced more than one class teacher you know every year so you know they'd have two teachers or or three teachers or a specialist coming in so they were beginning to get used to having different teachers mm -hmm. but also the, the the work you do helping them deal deal with change and building resilience and coping when things get difficult the, those are kind of preparation for secondary school where you have got that that more changing environment so that it shouldn't come as such a shock and i guess if you in primary primary schools if you're building that confidence giving the children a sense of self you know self-efficacy um, and also giving them the strength and the courage to ask for help. Yeah. Um, the, not a not weakness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Lewis has got a really good quote that he always says to the kids um, when things get tough. What is it you say, Lewis? Get, uh, get tougher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, sure. Get tough. Get tougher. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. In, a, in a nice way. It was, <laughs> see, in terms of like uh, transition events, then from primary school to secondary school, how important do you think they are in terms of the whole promotion of positive mental health and I suppose getting the child just to just to. I think they're really they're really important and they seem to feature quite quite prominently in the research yeah. that we've done recently yeah. particularly more than one event you know something that you're doing relationships that they're building up over two over two years of primary school in, into secondary school then perhaps coming back as a as an s1 to talk to the p7s about the, mm -hmm. the transition sort of making it something that you know not not just a one-off transition event yeah. um and again, the sporty PE-based transition yeah, exactly. events. That's always, that's <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Right. What, what did we have? It was, was that a three-day visit we went up to the Lanark? Was that a three-day visit? I don't. Is that like the kind of most common transitions that you see? Like, I think it's just twenty-one days now. Is it? Well, Moscow. All right. I was wondering if is there, is there any other like transition events, Deborah, that you've kind of been involved in, or like your research has been involved in? We've we've heard about um, weekly weekly exchanges, mm -hmm. sort of in in throughout S S I mean P seven, into into secondary school. Um, there have been things where the the P sevens have gone to a computer club at, at the at the secondary school on a on a regular basis. So they're not labelled transition events, but they're taking them onto the secondary school site. They're introducing them to some of the people that they'll meet at the secondary school, and they're mixing with some children from other schools who are also going to be going up with them. So um, 
and it, yeah, giving it that theme, like like whether it's you know, science or or, yeah. or PE, it it um, mm. if you spread the range of th themes, then there'll be at least something that appeals to every child eventually. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because that is the kind of the common one, is the, the sort of sporty based PE one. Yeah, but no, no, thanks for sharing that. Um, have you got any other than have you done any work with teachers to to help them um, be better prepared to promote health and wellbeing in, in school? Or has, has it must have been focused on pupils? Um, I'm I've done quite a lot with student teachers um, and a little bit with teachers already in schools um, on on things that they can do to promote positive mental health. Um, I've worked with the school on a, on a sort of mental health audit where they've they've um, looked at all the different aspects of the school to identify where it is that they that they most needed to to, to target their their work. Um, and in one school, it was it was about developing the children's emotional literacy, because they there was a lot of children who who very physical with their feelings because they didn't know how to articulate them so it was it, it sort of identified a need to to um to do lots of things like circle time or um there's there are a whole range of commercial schemes out there now which i won't name that helped you develop emotional literacy but um you know that it if you if you want to start somewhere again as i've done with these couple of schools it, it's looking at where the children are um, yeah, and then where they need the support. Yeah. yeah. So say the, say the term emotional literacy, is that just the ability to be able to speak about like, your feelings and your and all that, that side of things? Or, I know it's probably a bit more nuanced than that, but is it? It's about understanding your feelings yeah. um, as well. So before you, you've got to identify them to right, be, okay. and then to be able to name them. Um, and so it's understanding yourself but it's also emotional literacy is also about understanding other people's feelings mm -hmm. and the impact of your your emotions or your behavior on other people's feelings and being aware of the impact of their behavior on your oh. feelings so it's 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 about the social side of things as well as just my <clears throat> the, the, the self mm -hmm. yeah so I, think, I think i think teaching that though could, could benefit the people's more if you had like a health and well-being period a week yeah, you know, you yeah. can talk about this sort of thing. You, yeah. you have your like your self awareness in like high school and obviously primary school, and that is just it's non-existent, isn't it? No, you don't you don't have a. There definitely has scope for promoting it, then, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. if you could. Yeah. I guess you need an environment where you, it's particularly in secondary school, where you feel safe to uh -huh. talk about those things. You know, then no one's going to laugh at you, and that's probably harder to cultivate if you keep sort of. Um, yeah, moving around. So, mm -hmm. see, see, in terms of like, so I know some, so I know you've got a, a health and wellbeing class, uh, class, Clark. Yeah. Is that is that like something that you would maybe do like any like we kind of CPD sessions on or anything like that to kind of better equip teachers on how to deliver those sorts of lessons and just like maybe like some resources and ideas and things like that to to obviously better promote it in schools. Meaning me. No, hey, Deborah. Um, I kind of wrote a book to help teachers promote it better in schools. Um, 
because I felt that I did a lot of research with teachers and there was so much good stuff going out, out there. Um, and I, I run courses um, for my students and I just thought, there isn't one book that says all of this. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to sell my books. No, I'm not. Don't be And on the basis of that, sometimes I will go and do some CPD with people yeah. through our professional learning, learning mm -hmm. team. Um, but mostly I work at the moment I'm working, if I'm teaching, I'm teaching student teachers how to promote health and wellbeing. Right. Or mm -hmm. I'm doing research in schools. Um, yeah. And as, as obviously as like a responsibility of all, so it'll be like different subject teachers, primary teachers and stuff like that as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so is it just giving them like the tools on how to do it, not necessarily linking to their subject, but just like as a whole, just like different little things that they can be doing? Yes. It, it, I mean, my, my key message um, is that to promote positive mental health doesn't need a specialist. Yeah. We all do it. As teachers, we build relationships with our students. We create a safe environment. We just need to do those to the best of our ability and to meet the needs of pupils to be promoting their positive mental health. Yeah. Um, so it, it's not something to be scared of. I think people hear the words positive mental health and they, and they kind of get, oh, no, I can't do that. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. But actually, teachers do the things that promote positive mental health really well anyway most yeah, of the time you do it through your actions probably don't you yeah how, how you speak yeah. and interact with the kids yeah yeah absolutely yeah. um it's from what we do how we are i think of it as a pedagogy right mm. you know it's a how we are how we teach not a what we teach um and it's what we want the children to be so we're developing attitudes and characteristics and and um you know social skills when we're not we're not wanting them to talk. For example, we don't want them to write an essay on what it is to be a good friend. We want them to be good friends. Yeah. That's that. Right, yeah. Action, 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 action. Yeah. Okay, move on to the last question then, I think, aren't we? Um, yeah, so my final one then, Deborah. So obviously Clark and myself, we're both PE teachers. So um, what role do you think that PE can play in promoting positive mental health? And are there any clear do's and don'ts for all teachers to be aware of when striving for this goal? Um, I think I think there's loads of opportunities, and I'm I'm a primary teacher, but I so I've, I've only taught primary PE. Uh -huh. um, but there, there are so many opportunities for in PE to develop social and emotional um, sort of skills and capacities and attitudes, um, and to to promote well-being and and because it, it's like a, it's a real real meaningful context where you can explore children's attitudes, you can explore things about you know feelings about winning and losing and um or yeah daring to have a try um i think it, you've got the the possibility you've got a, a space in which you can get them to think about how how somebody else feels you know um how, how again the, the consequence of my actions or other actions and events that have taken place so there's all all of that going on but i also think it's a really it can lead to um, the opportunity to facilitate discussions around body image and uh, self-esteem and attitudes towards physical physical health if you've got the the, the right teacher mm -hmm. cultivating the right kind of environment amongst the kids um, and so much so much i mean social social skills are an element of mental positive mental health if you want to have positive mental health then you need to have good social health and i think pe again the collaboration the opportunities for collaboration team building you know work, working on things um 
as, as the team or teams playing against each other, they're, they're all opportunities for building social skills. I think you asked about do's and don'ts. And it's, it's just remembering that not everybody likes PE um, yeah. <laughs> and, and helping the children. So that this is where it's so important. And it's, it's, it's because you have such can have such polarized feelings about physical activity yeah. and PE, it makes it a great place to, to build that empathy and understanding of somebody else's feelings and how they might be frightened something and they might find it really difficult um and, and you know opportunities yeah. for a sense of achievement somebody you know somebody's personal best might be might be a, a tiny step compared to some you know if it was somebody else's yeah um, I, think, I think if you force them as well you might you might make it a bad experience and and then they might then be put off for life as well if they have such a terrifying experience in pe so yeah. It's, it's the hard thing, isn't it? It's the, it's the the fine line between trying to keep your expectations high for all your pupils, but understanding that they might be feeling a bit anxious and they really, really feel completely out of their depth, out of their comfort zone in a, a PE yeah. classroom. And yeah. it's like it's trying to just distinguish that and draw the line between um, maybe so not. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you've got it wrong though, as well, and sometimes we make mistakes. But absolutely. I, I mean, I just be really. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was just saying as long as we're trying to get it right for every child. Yeah. Yes. No perfect. Got to get that in there. Absolutely. Did <laughs> did what I just say then? Does that sound completely alien to you as as no. PE teachers? No, that um, sounds, it can resonate with a lot of it actually. Yeah. It's an ideal environment for for getting them to cope with failure definitely and tolerate defeats and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's yeah. the that's the main thing. It does present loads of teachable moments, doesn't it? PE. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because that's the, the the thing that we always like. We're always chatting about, isn't it? It's like the like the health the, the PE benchmarks that we've got to try and um, well, we're assessing the, the young people on from S one to S three, and how do we like can we streamline streamline them in with our teaching of like the different activities without making it so performance driven? And it's like a lot of it is just how you conduct yourself and using those wee teachable moments in your class mm -hmm. without mm -hmm. maybe necessarily being totally explicit with every single one of them yeah that's I think you're, uh, you're sometimes on a hiding to nothing with that um, so I think that's a good point that you made so, so what was the PE, PE like in the primary school was it was it valued or, or across the board I mean like in terms of um, like what's the PE input like in England because so, there's not PE, the PE specialists in all the primaries here no we had we had PE specialists in, in the the upper part of the school right um but in the in the lower part of the school the class teacher did pe which i found to be really liberating because we could go and do outdoor pe anytime we wanted to you know if we felt like actually this would be better done through a p lesson we could just get up and go and do it right um good but um yeah i think having a specialist come in with our older children meant that she didn't know them as well as the class teacher knew them um and that 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 did cause some problems i think mm -hmm. i think when yeah. if you've got your class teacher taken and i'm not i'm not advocating against pe specialists but th there's something about if if you know the children well then you know who to look out for and the pe specialists get got to know this but um it, yeah it, eventually yeah mm -hmm. um 
it's it's easier to kind of target individuals who think no they need a little bit of extra co coaxing here or they need a bit of encouragement or they're really good but they'll let everyone else dominate and it's it's yeah i used to like mixing things up like putting all the the real dominant assertive keen PE students in the same group and the ones that would sit back and let everybody else do the work and weren't that keen put them in another team and get them to yeah, yeah. You know, do things yeah try and try and assign them different roles yeah yeah that's a good way to challenge them all isn't it i suppose doing it that way as well right. mm -hmm. yeah um, no, well, thanks for sharing that then. So that brings us to the end of the, the, the main part of the podcast tonight, Deborah. So the final thing that we do with all of our guests, we'll get a wee quick fire round of three questions. So again, it can link to anything that we've spoke about in the, the episode or it can be, well, the, the first question anyway, because that can be generic or it can link with um, the episode and then the other two are more kind of specific. So um, are you ready? Yes. Perfect. Right. Number one, if you could have a giant billboard anywhere, what would it say on it? Asking for help is a strength. Oof, that's a quote then. That's a quote for the Instagram page there, Deborah. <laughs> Love that one. <laughs> Number two, which people or books have had the biggest influence on your life? Um, a head teacher I work with in my third year of teaching because she, yeah, she inspired the kind of head teacher I went on to be because she had just had positive regard for all the children and she was really good at building capacity in her staff and working with them in a, in a really sort of, yeah, valuing way. Great. I can always remember, like as a as a um, pupil, my head teacher from my primary school. I can just remember how, like, he was just like a f the, f the most friendly guy ever. Like, he was never intimidating, but he was really good. Like, he, he could be firm and assertive when he wanted to be, but you can always just remember him, like, with a smile on his face and just such a a warm, approachable guy. I, I just, I really kind of took to that. I liked that. Yeah, um, he had a good style. Right, so number three then, what top three tips would you give to our teacher listeners right now to promote positive mental health in our classrooms today? Look after your own mental health, so teacher well-being. Um, don't be afraid to put pupil mental health first. And, and I think I said this before, but it's positive mental health promotion is, is involves so much that's just fundamental to being a teacher. It doesn't need a specialist, it just needs a good teacher. Mm -hmm. Love that. Love so, that. Brilliant. Thank you very much for um, coming on tonight, Deborah, and giving up your time to come on and share your experience and knowledge behind all the things promoting positive mental health. Um, it was great to chat to you. Thank you for asking me. It's, it's yeah, it's been good fun. Thank you. Yeah, Deborah, nice to, nice to meet you and really enjoyed the stuff you were saying there and I took a good few notes here. So, looking forward to implementing some of the, the actions that we were speaking about there. So, thanks again. <laughs> no, I enjoy your podcasts. Thanks for doing them. Thanks again for joining us in this week's episode of the podcast. We hope you've been able to take something away that you can implement into your practice or life. If you regularly listen to the podcast, then why not leave us a review to let us know how we're doing and where we can perhaps improve. That way we can take action and further develop the Obo podcast. Until next time, we hope you have a fantastic week. Take care.